Hello everyone and welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga. Kat Smith here. Wanted to take a couple of minutes to introduce our guest today. And you might have uh, started listening to our conversation with her last week. Today is part two. We are speaking with Carrie Marino, who is such a lovely and knowledgeable guest. Carrie identifies as Enneagram Type 2. And she also has 13-year career as a yoga therapist, spiritual life coach, and yoga teacher. She dedicates her work to helping people befriend their body, to helping people uh, get empowered, to support them as they find their ways to get in touch with themselves and love their bodies. I think you would really love the conversation. If you had an opportunity to listen to the episode last week, you definitely should tune in today. We have all of the information on how you can contact Carrie on our website. So don't um, forget to check all of that out, especially if you have any follow-up questions for Carrie or want to connect with her, um, for her for her services and for work that she does. With that... Go ahead and tune in. We want to thank you once again for your support and for listening. And you guys enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Well, today we want to focus on our physical self and how we can have more positive view of it. So there's relatively new catchphrase called body intelligence. And it is a reminder that our body holds as much wisdom as our mind and our soul, our heart. So Mm -hmm. Christy and I, we very often do during our episodes are going to share um, some thoughts on body positivity and some thoughts on body positivity practices uh, for each Enneagram type. So we will go one through nine. And then we are going to ask you, Carrie, um, to kind of help us out with some suggestions from your professional and personal experience that perhaps can help each Enneagram type find more positivity, acceptance, love for the physical body. How does that sound? That sounds great. Let's dive in. Let's do it. All right. Well, I'm going to kick it off with type one. So I am type one and I I love talking all about the one, but the one oftentimes needs to embrace that it is okay not to have a perfect body. And the way they need to embrace it is um, by sort of identifying that by design, one has a very uh, strong inner critic and that is just how it is. The inner critic just lives there. So not to have, I guess, a distorted view and let the inner critic really just create a distorted view of their their, their own body uh, just because it's not perfect. And, um, I don't know. I think we live in such in such a time where there's so much superficial that um, is celebrated, and especially with the with the physical aspect of superficial, from you know going from hair to face to lips to wrinkles to waistlines to you know you name it, and I think. For, for one, 
trying to achieve that perfection when it's not only cultivated from the inside, but also it's plastered all over the place on the outside would be a really challenging, challenging pathway from, you know, not having a certain number on the scale, from not having the certain, you know, size, et cetera, et cetera. So what I think would serve one who is a reformer perfectionist is perhaps find certain things about their body that quote unquote are perfect. For example, you know, like you've mentioned, you can, you know, go to a creek and 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 have a really spiritual and releasing and joyful experience. So for one, I think it would be great to find a place where the body feels perfect, whether you are in a space that creates that or in a activity that creates that, if you're into dancing or in, if, into yoga, or you into, you know, running where you find a perfect stride, whatever. And, you know, I want to be careful in saying perfect so many times, but at the same time, for one, that's the language. And that's the sort of the, 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 the inner, inner word that's always there, whether it's right or wrong, it is. So to me, maybe not focusing so much on the perfecting the outer appearance, but having a perfect ex experience with the body would help one to kind of create more, more positive, positive view of their body. What are your thoughts, ladies? I absolutely think that that's really important. And to just add to that, I think that ways that we can invoke pleasure and play with our bodies is really important for somebody that identifies as a one because there's this sort of serious approach when it comes to our body. And I, I believe that inside all of us lives this, you know, hedonist in a way that just wants to really enjoy life and being able to give that pleasure seeker inside of us outlets to experience simple pleasure. So sometimes we, we seek pleasure as a way to numb. And that's not a very sustainable route for any of us because there's never going to be enough wine or chocolate or whatever it is. So I'm referring to pleasure from more of a, a conscious or a mindful place and a much broader term. So it could be something like the feeling of the water pouring over you when in the shower and how it touches your skin and, you know, the feeling of being clean or the satiation in your belly after a delicious meal or the warmth of a person you love's body hugging up against yours. But all of these simple ways that we can start to recognize that our bodies are also a vehicle of pleasure and play, and we can start to heighten our awareness around that, it can really shift our association with our body to a lighter place. I like that. That's beautiful. Um, well, I'm going to talk about the twos. And so as you know, Carrie, um, twos must learn that not just others are deserving of taking care of the body or taking care of the mind of spirit, but that twos are as well. Like a two um, might be the type of person that they're buying their spouse a massage, 
They're taking their daughter to dance lessons. They're helping out with the bake sale at the church. They're just doing all the things for other people and they never put themselves on the calendar. They ignore their own sort of needs related to nutrition and the body. Um, twos can also be the type that do a lot of self-numbing um, of their feelings because they like to help other people with their feelings, but not always attend to their own. And so they can turn to food in the fridge or to drinks to kind of numb some of their pain instead of feeling it. But their pathway to actually feeling those feelings can often be through the body. The body is kind of that pathway to the heart space. And so when twos start to get in touch with their, their body and taking care of themselves, man, they start to become more like a healthy four and really open up in their heart. They do a lot less of the self-numbing through food or wine or whatever it is. Um, and it just, you know, it's a beautiful thing for the two. But how do you teach your clients to listen to the needs of their body and to care for their body? I think that we have to build the foundation for that to even be a possibility for them. And that foundation is for them to have more self-awareness and more body awareness. It's really hard to honor the needs of our body and to care for them in the best aligned ways if we don't know what they are and we don't hear that those inner cues and those, those messages that our body is sending us. So this to me is part of what I got from yoga and still get as a yoga practitioner is this space to learn how to be introspective and to build that skill of awareness. Body awareness can take on a lot of different forms. It can literally be as simple as being aware that you have a body. Sometimes people are so disassociated from their body and disconnected that even just the thought that they have a hand is not a conscious thought for them. Like they, they know they have a hand, but they don't really feel connected to that hand. It can also be a sensation-based practice or a sensation-based awareness. So when people come to a yoga class, if there's a sitting part at the beginning where people are doing some breath work or intention setting, a lot of times people feel warmth in their back. So feeling like I feel warm in my back right now and then those everyday internal cues, like my body is giving me signals that I'm tired, I am feeling thirsty. Those simple moments can actually be spiritual practices for us that help us develop the awareness to be able to listen to the needs and then make conscious choices around them rather than just our default mode. Mm -hmm. I think that... Um mindfulness is often about paying attention and I think you're right yoga does help you to pay attention to your hands like to pay attention to the part of the body that is in pain to pay attention to the back and a warm sensation there uh, and I think that when we start to pay attention um it's it's much easier to pay attention oh I'm tired I need to go rest who I have not been taking care of myself. I need to make sure that's in the day today. You know, I think that, that paying attention is such a key part of mindfulness that yoga offers us. So I think if, if twos can even start there with that 
part of mindfulness is paying attention to what's happening in the body that that can turn in eventually um, to um, just no noticing their need to take care of their body in bigger ways. So, yeah, I want to add something onto that if it's okay. I think that something that's important to name here is that oftentimes, you know, I identify as a two. So I have that personal perspective that's happened for me in reverse. Like it, I build that awareness because I've crossed the line and then it's like, oh, (laughs) this isn't feeling very good. So can I be gracious with myself in that moment when I have overextended and I realize and become aware and then choose again? is also really important. I like that because we are, you know, the most at risk for compassion fatigue of any number of so just like moving towards burnout, wearing ourselves out and then going, oh, I crossed that line and pulling back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of thing that's paying attention and that, that's good. Self-awareness. All right, ladies. Well, let's talk a little bit about our threes who are our achievers. So out of all the numbers, I think that would be the type who would overextend their body the most. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a little similar to ones, although threes are more of an external critic, image-driven and uh, chameleon-like. So for three, I think it's a twofold to kind of build a positive relationship with the body. One is not continuously staying in motion. Although it is a say in body in motion stays in motion, mm-hmm. it has got to come to rest in order to be in motion again. And threes would a lot of times, um, you know, just overwork themselves and maybe get even physical body fatigue because they are just not allowing for that slowdown, for that pause. Um, So perhaps what, you know, could be a yoga practice, could be a meditative practice, could be a sitting on your deck with a book kind of practice, but the way to find um, a pause in your day, I think would be great for a three. And also another thing is about enjoying the process for the sake of a process, not uh, doing the process for the sake of achieving a goal. So if you are working on, um, you know, getting healthier or, you know, getting stronger or getting more flexible or getting faster, whatever it is that perhaps, you know, three would be focused on, um, shifting the perspective to oh, wow, I feel I'm getting stronger. I'm really loving the feeling of that. And Mm -hmm. writing that I am enjoying the process Mm -hmm. wave other than, okay, I've lifted 50 pounds. No, now I need to lift 55 pounds. No, now I need to lift 150 pounds because the goal always gets extended. So shifting to, I feel more flexible. This is great riding that wave, or I found my stride and I don't need to push it to go faster. I'm just enjoying the stride, so on and so forth, I think would create a more positive relationship with their physical body. What are your thoughts, Carrie? What would you recommend to a three client? I think it depends upon where they're, they're landing on that spectrum, right? Like, are they currently at a place where they have some degree of balance around that? Or are they really nearing that edge of burnout. 
And for anybody that is nearing that precipice of burnout, asking themselves a very pointed question, what do you want, burnout or balance? Because whether we consciously realize it or not, we're making these choices. So why not make them on purpose, right? I'm choosing this for myself. And then I also want to say that it's really important to get support, to have other people, uh, a partner, a friend, a teacher, a community, somebody to guide you that can hold space for you and help you to have some degree of accountability. That can all be really helpful as we work towards finding that balance and celebrating our progress along the way and feeling the enoughness in what we're already doing because it can be really hard to do that by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm going to talk about the four. And um, as we know, fours are good at feeling their feelings and their emotions, um, but they also need to move from their heart space to really enter their body because they can be a little bit more complacent sometimes, want to stay on the couch. They're also in the triad that we call the withdrawing triad, like the nine and like the five. They can get slothful like those other two personalities. So for fours, movement is obviously important. So yoga, walking, um, meditation, um, being outside in nature, these are all important practices uh, for a four. I also want to say about the four that comparison is um, you know, something they can get caught in pretty quickly, like their deadly sin is envy. And so they can start to compare their body to other bodies. And obviously all nine numbers can do that, right? So it's not just something that the four is guilty of, but that self-comparison or not even comparing to other bodies, but comparing to a previous version of themselves, like all sorts of comparing. Um, But because, um, you know, they have this tendency to think about what they don't have and to practice envy, gratitude is a really important practice for a four. Um, And so just offering thanks for their body, for the different parts of their body. I would think that a body scan would be great for all of us, but because, you know, moving into the body, like the Enneagram would say that all of us have different places that we need to move in order to become our healthiest self for four moving into the body is important for the two moving into the thinking space is more important for us. Right. But for the four that, um, just appreciation for their bodies and for life itself is really important. But since I was talking about fourth needing to become more active, I did want to ask you a yoga pose because you're a great yoga teacher um, that can help a person become more active and live more fully in their body. So what would you recommend? One or two, it doesn't have to just be one, but anything. So Cobra pose definitely comes to mind as a wonderful pose that would accomplish a lot of different things. So Cobra pose for anybody that doesn't know, you lay on your stomach on your yoga mat and you have your elbows alongside you and your hands by your chest and your hands are down, but you're really using the strength of your back to lift yourself up into a back bend. And this pose, you know, if you've been practicing yoga for a really long time, you might not have a ton of sensation of strengthening, but you still feel the grounding pressure of your belly and your pelvis on the mat. 
And for most students of yoga, they're going to feel the warmth and the strengthening actions that are taking place in their back as it's working to hold them up. And I want to suggest that when people practice Cobra, that they do it as a breath-based movement. So they're going to inhale and lift and lengthen, and then they're going to exhale and lower down. And then to do that a lot of different times and to play with it. So maybe they come up one inch the first time and come down. And the next time they explore somewhere in the middle, maybe their full range, but to vary the degree that they're lifting and to let their breath guide them because it can build some heat. It can really get them into their body and work on tuning them into the energy of their heart as well. Would help them to find a little bit more of that fiery energy that they need if there's a little bit of movement there. Um, so yeah, I love the idea of Cobra, but also practicing moving up and down with the breath. Um, thank you. Great. All right. Well, let's move on to our fives for our investigator and observer. So fives tend to um, be very connected to their headspace, to their thinking space. That's, mm -hmm. you know, what they are in, in essence. Um, folks who um, love to research and deepen their knowledge and who would read a book 10 times out of 10, then going out to a gym or uh, for a walk with a friend, et cetera, et cetera. And um, at times, perhaps a five would avoid doing anything that requires physical exertion in their body because they would tell themselves, well, I'm just, it's just, just not me. You know, that the exercise is not for me. The movement thing is not for me. The social thing is not for me. It's just not me. And they could get stuck in this, um, you know, physical body just in their head and forgetting neck down, so to say. So, and that could be because of the narrative, because of the story that they have told themselves. So what would you recommend to somebody who perhaps is maybe stuck in their own narrative that is not quite true or is not serving them well, how do you shift the, narr the narrative to something different? Yeah, so a little bit of background because I am a yoga therapist. So that's the perspective and the method that I take generally. And from the yoga therapy point of view, people are viewed through the Panchamaya Kosha model. That's this whole person focused well-being. And this is a system that describes the five different layers of ourselves and all are recognized as being equally important. And when one of those layers is out of balance, it disrupts our well-being. So one of those layers is the body, there's the energy system, there's the intellect, there's the you know, thoughts and feelings, and then there's that Ananda Maya Kosha, that connection to spirit that I was talking about. So whenever I am working with a client and they're really good at experiencing their mind, but they're disconnected from their body, I help to educate them on the importance of their body because I want to appeal to their intelligence and give them the why. And then once we've established that, working on practical skills to help them come more into their body, and this is a big part of it 
lovingly call them out when they slip back into old familiar patterns. Because in my experience, working with people who have these sorts of skill sets, they will deflect away from their body time and time again. And so calling them out and saying, all right, you're doing that thing again. <laughs> you're letting your mind lead here. Let's bring it into your body. Let's bring it back home to your body. What is your body saying to you right now? How can you tune into your body right now? Just over and over again until those neural pathways in the brain are wired up in a very concrete way. I love that. And that's probably for all of us. We all have a certain narrative. We all are set in the our patterns, whether they're serving us or not. And I always say the toughest person to change is yourself because, oh my God, I'll change everybody else around me all day long. But the self is just concrete in there and it is what it is. But there is there are strategies for us to even change ourselves perhaps in the smaller ways, but consistent, right? Consistency would, would, would give you a result. Yeah, and we're not meant to do this work alone. You know, we all need people to walk us through it and to hold that container for us and to give us insight because we can't see everything about ourselves. Sometimes we need somebody else to be the person that highlights that or helps us understand that part of who we are in a right. loving way <laughs> yeah really important I just think I've gotten stuck in lots of negative narratives about my body in the past like I got stuck in at a very early age because I had two brothers who were athletic my narrative became that I'm not athletic I didn't Same. make the basketball yeah. team in high school so I'm not athletic so I had all these things happening that were reinforcing this narrative. And then I had to like unprogram that, you know, as I got a little bit older and find a new story. And the new story is I love to walk and I love to practice yoga and I love to move in my body. And so that's replacing this story that I'm not athletic and I've gotten stuck in a story that I'm klutzy in the past. And I've just had to, you know, let that story go because it's not serving me. And I think the language we use can be really important too in, in disconnecting um, from ideas about our body. Like we could say, I look awful in this outfit today. I've gained so much weight. I have no outfits that I look great in. Like we could say something like that, or we could say the thought that I'm having right now is that I look awful in this outfit or the feeling that I'm feeling right now is that it, because it's just a thought and a feeling. We have thousands of thoughts every day and many feelings every day, but we can either get stuck in these ideas about our body or we can recognize that it's a thought or a feeling that's gonna pass. And so I think that that is really helpful to me. Oh my gosh. So Christy gave me a book for birthday or Christmas. I don't remember. Maybe just because, because she's good like that by Ian Cron. <laughs> yeah. It's on Enneagram. Yeah. And he writes about, we all have a story. So each type has a story and you would think, oh my gosh, there's only nine types. There's no way there's only nine stories, but more or less so. And we all have this story from the childhood, whether it was taught to us or there was an environment around it, or we had to live it in order to survive. Here's the difference. 
when you are in adulthood, you don't have to live the same childhood story mm -hmm. because you have already gone through what you have to gone through. Your environment is different. Your surviving may be a different, you, you don't have to use that to survive. Maybe you don't have to survive at all. So how do you create a new story that is, that is serving you and helping you thrive and helping you be your most authentic, healthiest whole self? Easier said than done, I'm sure, but that's the work. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're stuck in that story from 44 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what good is that doing you? Yeah, those old stories tend to have an expiration point right. and they start to really create suffering. They suck for people. Yeah. And then that's that point where they're like, I, this isn't working. So... Yeah let me reach out and get some sort of support in that so that I can move beyond it because you're right. All of us have that. And thankfully they usually reach a point where we get tired of that narrative and we're ready for something new. Yeah. Well, let's look at our six. Our sixes need to work on many things, but trust is really important for a six to work on learning how to trust. And this includes trusting their body and also alongside that affirming their body because they can be really distrustful of other people's compliments and so they have to learn how to affirm other people and to receive affirmation and again that goes hand in hand with trust and I and I think when we think about the body the practice of self-compassion and compassion is really, really important. But for sixes, because they mistrust a lot of what people say, um, they can struggle with that compassion, receiving compassionate words from others and offering them. Um, and so, and compassion really informs our view of our body because if we can be compassionate towards ourselves and others, we can offer that towards our body. Um, and so sixes may have to work on that a little bit more than other types of practicing that compassion because it is related to trusting others and trusting themselves. Um, they also have to work on moving into their gut um, and listening to what their body needs. Um, and sixes with a five wing especially <laughs> have trouble with doing the Googling where they're thinking, oh my gosh this is what's wrong with my body. And they're looking up everything that could go wrong, but that, that's the catastrophizing of the six. So this question is not just gonna relate to a six, it's for all of us, but what are some affirmations that are important for people about their body, whether they're a six or not? Yeah, so I wanna say that when we're afraid, it's really hard to believe compliments or give compliments or have compassion for ourselves or other people because we're afraid, we feel unsafe. And people in general carry a lot of fear about their bodies and in a way it's really fitting because being human is innately a vulnerable position. But it's also true that our human bodies are literally created to support us. The will to live inside of a human body and the resiliency of a human body is awe-inspiring. Like it is just amazing. So an affirmation is my body's main job is to help me survive and thrive. 
my body's main job is to help me survive and thrive. Sometimes we forget or we, nobody taught us this. And when certain circumstances align, it can be this breeding ground for uncertainty to grow and fear to grow and disconnection to grow. And simply bringing our attention to that fundamental truth, like these bodies are here to support us. They're resilient. Their will to live is strong. They're here to help me survive and thrive. It can make such a big difference in the thought processes and the narrative. I love that. I love that. Can you say what you said again about when we are afraid, it is hard to receive compassion. Can you say that again in another way, maybe? Yeah. So if we look at fear and how it impacts our brain and our nervous system, it, it shuts down certain parts of us and it activates certain parts of us. So it's literally our survival mechanism that's activated when we're in a fear response. And generally those survivor mechanisms are related to fighting or flight, like running or freezing. So if you think about fighting or running from something or freezing, that's not really a compassionate place. That's not really a place where you're going to say like, gosh, I genuinely love the color of your eyes and they just, they're captivating and they're so beautiful. Those aren't thoughts that are even going to come up when you're in a moment like that, or you're not going to look at yourself in the mirror and say the, the freckles that I've gained from being out in the sun, bring me joy. Those aren't creative options for a brain that's in a fear response. I love that. So, you know, for the sticks, the, their shadow side, their deadly sin, however we want to say it, is anxiety. And so they can get stuck in anxiety more than any of the nine numbers. And so this being afraid or being fearful is just part of their DNA, part of how they're wired and nurtured. And so for them, as they find ways to calm their nervous system and move out of that fear, they're going to be more likely, what I hear you saying, to receive compassion and to offer it to others. Yeah. It's an option then. And it, it wouldn't be yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes an option. Thank you. Hey guys, this is just part two with Carrie Marino. So stay tuned for next week's release. Um, with more great wisdom from Carrie, but also stay tuned for a short meditation led by Kat Smith right after this word from our sponsor. Hello everyone, Kat Smith here. Welcome to your short meditation experience. Today I would love to introduce you to one of my favorites, which is a progressive muscle relaxation. I teach this meditative experience at the end of my yoga classes quite often. I also practice it myself. It helps me get in touch and in tune with my body and also relax my body in its entirety. If you struggle with anxiety, stress, or tension, and let's face it, who of us doesn't, or you have a hard time falling asleep, this might be something that you would like to incorporate in your daily or weekly practice. 
So to begin, sit quietly and get relaxed. You're welcome to sit on the floor. You can sit on a comfortable chair or a couch. But if you're able to find a space where you could lie down without falling asleep, try that. And you can lie down on your back. You can straighten your legs or you can bend them. In other words, get comfortable and then get still. And as you settle in the stillness and the quiet, let's all take a full inhale through the nose, open mouth, gently exhale. And then it felt good, let's do it again. Take a full inhale through the nose. Perhaps you hold the breath for a quick moment and then breathe it all out through the mouth. If you're able to continue breathing in and out through the nose, do so. Otherwise, keep your mouth ajar. If you're able to close your eyes or soften your gaze, do that now. I invite you to bring all of your focus to your feet, your toes, soles of your feet, heels. Relax your feet. Now bring all of your attention up your legs. Focus on your ankles, your shins, and your calves. Relax those parts of the body now. Bring your awareness to your kneecaps. Allow them to relax. Bring your focus up your leg, your thigh, moving up towards the glute, your hips, your pelvis, relax. Bring the awareness to your belly. You might even consider placing one of your hands on your belly. If you notice any tightness in that part of the body, Relax, let the belly go soft. Bring your mind's eye up your torso. Relax the spaces around your ribs, around your chest, your lower back, your mid back, your upper back. Relax the space between your shoulder blades. Relax around your collarbone. Now think about your shoulders and let your mind's eye travel all the way down your arms from the shoulders to your bicep and tricep, your elbow, your forearm, your wrist, all the way down to the fingertips. Relax your arms completely. Relax your neck. Relax your throat. Let it remain at neutral. Relax your jaw. 
If you're able to open your mouth slightly and keep your lips parted, creating a slight spacing between both rows of your teeth, do so. Let your tongue float in your mouth. Relax your cheeks, your eyelids, space between your eyebrows. Allow that relaxation travel all the way through the crown of your head. And then remain in this relaxed state, staying quiet, still, aware of your body, yet in a very relaxed state. Now let's take a full inhale through the nose slowly. Gently exhale out of your mouth. If that felt good, let's do it again. Big breath in. And empty in breath out. You're welcome to stay like this for as long as time allows, as long as you feel comfortable doing so. This is something that you are able to practice for a short few minutes every single day. I thank you for joining me. Enjoy. Enjoy.